I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, episode 153, in memory of Michael Jackson. We have three segments for you this week. Uh, first up, Alex and Addison are joined by CJ Brown of the Player One Podcast for a listener mail segment. And after that, myself, Scott, and Zach break down your and our favorite water level tracks in video games. And then finally, we have a bonus segment on Dragon Rampa 2. Enjoy the episode. Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new segment of Nintendo World Report Connectivity. I am your host Alexander Kalafi and joining me for a brand new edition of Listener Mail, Addison Webb. Howdy. And a very special guest this week. We have Christopher, CJ Johnston of the world famous Player One Podcast. Hello CJ. Hey, how's it going there Alex? Fantastic. Uh, so Thanks for having me on, by the way. You know this, what? This is great. I'm, I've been a connectivity listener for a long time, and this is the first time I've been on the show. This is awesome. It, it, in the famous wise words of Rich Grisham, it feels <laughs> like I'm jamming with my favorite band. <laughs> well put. Cool. Uh, it basically has gotten to the point, though, thanks to the telethons, the RFN, the hanging out with us at PAX East, and now connectivity, mm-hmm. that you are more or less an honorary member of Nintendo World Report now. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I can I can deal with that. Sure. Uh, I I know how much you hate Nintendo. Obviously. Of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can't stand them. So for <laughs> listener mail this week, we have two tweets and two emails. This sounds compact, but both emails are so crazily substantial that we will still probably end up clearing a half hour easily by the time we are done. So let's get into it. The first tweet comes from Third Rate Minion at Third Rate Minion. What do you think the other amiibo will be, or do the other or for the other games announced? Uh, I guess Captain Toad, I think, was announced to have it. I think Mario Kart was Mario Party Ten, uh, Smash Bros. Obviously, and a small handful of other games. So I guess starting with you, CJ, what do you think the future of amiibo is going to be like after Smash Bros. comes out, and now we're left with? Uh, Nintendo Skylander platform to stand on its own. Hmm. I mean, in a lot of those games, right? They're uh, Captain Toad is a single player game, and Yoshi is a single player game. Like, uh, maybe other than giving you hints, I'm not really sure what sort of uh, what sort of functionality they're gonna have. Sure. There. Uh, like, what yeah. happens when you put a Link statue on Captain Toad? Is Link gonna show up in Captain Toad? That would just be. A little, little strange. <laughs> it would be fucking wacky is what it would be. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they both can't but, jump, so that would work. Yeah. I, what I'm thinking is, I'm guessing not everything will be compatible with everything. Especially for mm. things like Mario Kart, that becomes way too ridiculous and unwieldy to handle. And especially for Smash Bros, if a Toad Amiibo comes out and there is no Toad Fighter to speak of. Especially yeah. in the wake of Sakurai saying that it takes like a year to come up with a character. <laughs> You know what would be interesting though, like let's say you 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 did like a sort of Monster Rancher thing. I don't know if you remember Monster Rancher for the PS1 where you put an audio CD into the PlayStation and it would read it and give you yeah. a character. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they could do like something where okay, you put the Link statue on when you're playing Captain Toad and it gives you like some kind of Zelda themed item in the game, but it's not like it's not like Link is going to show up, but like a costume. Some, yeah, there's some there's something extra for you if you have it. Yeah. Uh, that could be cool. I, I think one thing I'm very curious about is whether 
the, like, let's say there's the Mario one for Smash Bros. The Mario Amiibo, we know for a fact, is coming out. I wonder if that one will also work on Mario Kart, or if we have to wait for the Mario Kart wave, where mm. there's a Mario Kart on a pedestal, and we have to spend $24 for what may actually be an afterthought feature. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, I, you know what? I am excited that this is probably the craziest thing I've seen Nintendo try to do in a super long time. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem yeah. so crazy, thanks to, uh, Toys for Bob and whatnot. Yeah. But for Nintendo to go, like, headfirst into this, uh, like, Toys to Life thing, this could turn out really incredibly for them. Absolutely. Like, in Mario Kart, what if it was, like, uh, you know, like, carts that look sort of like nascar cars where they have logos on them so you could put like the kirby figure on there and get like a kirby themed vehicle hmm. that'd be pretty cool yeah or a we fit vehicle for the trainer <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be down yeah. for that i i, I kind of like the idea of alternative uh amiibo uses like just because it's mario doesn't mean mario has to be in the game maybe it can just be mario's uh special cart or mario's special toad costume yeah uh did you have anything to add edison well with amiibo i think the game that probably would have been the coolest to do amiibo with at least in my opinion sorry come and gone that's hyrule warriors that mm-hmm. game could have had so much Definitely. amiibo potential i mean personally i would just be opening up my wallet mm-hmm. and just say nintendo take all my money I'll buy everything, <laughs> but... I mean, that's that not to say they couldn't patch perfect... it in, right? Yeah, that's true. Ah, it's I, Omega Force. I'd love to see, like, a Zelda set. Like, mm. that game is just so zany and crazy to begin with. I just felt like that might have been the perfect test ground for this, but... Oh, mm. well. We can only hope that there will be some sort of amiibo. Probably costumes would be the only thing I could think of that they would do with that, but... um. It's just one of those things where I feel like where they could really benefit from is they had some sort of like download title that was kind of like the toy box from Disney Infinity. Mm-hmm. Maybe do something with that with like Mario Maker. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to bring too many parallels to PlayStation Home, but the mm-hmm. idea of a persistent Nintendo-like world for just your Amiibos to live in and for you to... Uh, explore creatively just something that's always on the wii u and eventually on the 3ds almost like Miiverse, but it's super interactive that i don't know if it would sell wii u's but i think that would be a cool bullet point or like a mario craft like minecraft type thing where you use the amiibos like something like that what a fuck you that would be to microsoft (laughs) (laughs) nintendcraft yeah Uh, is minecraft popular in japan that's a good question, mm. and as we talk about the second email, uh, the second tweet, I'm probably going to do a quick Google and report back. Huh. Uh, but specifically, moving on to that next tweet, the second comes from Pete Lopez. That is Pete underscore L-0-P-E-Z. Name a game you have purchased more than once. For myself, I bought in a link to the past four times, one Super Nintendo, uh, two Wii U VC, and one Game Boy Advance. For me, it's been mostly games that, when I was dumb and, well, younger, dumber, and stupider, uh, I don't know why I <laughs> used two synonyms, but GameCube games. I sold a lot of them to GameStop, and 
eventually, when GameCube games become su- became super cheap a few years ago, before they became super expensive again, I rebought a lot of my favorite games like uh, NBA Streets, the Def Jam games, even some of the Nintendo games like Luigi's Mansion. But CJ, you've been in this game for a long time, so I, I feel like you might have a tale or two. What do you mean? I'm still young, I'm still dumb, and still stupider uh, when it comes to this stuff, too. But also nearly <laughs> twice my age. <laughs> hey, that's that's true. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've bought plenty of games multiple times. If you want to count VC stuff and re-releases, uh, you know, Link to the Past... Um, I bought that on GBA, Super Nintendo, Wii Virtual Console, and uh, Wii U Virtual Console. <laughs> uh, Earthbound I have on the Super Nintendo and the Wii U Virtual Console. But I mean, basically, every almost everything Nintendo has put out, I've bought multiple times. Like sure. you can pretty much go through their entire catalog, and uh, and yeah, I'm 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 bad with that stuff. <laughs> uh, do you own any uh, double physical copies of anything? Double physical copies uh, for the same system? I don't think so. Well, yeah. wait. Uh, Dr. Mario on the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Because, if you'll recall, this was this was before we had download play on the uh, Nintendo portable systems. And when the original Game Boy came out, you could link up and play against another player in Dr. Mario, a game that I totally love still to this day. Uh, and... The other person had to have a copy of Dr. Mario. And that was that was pretty rare that uh, that that the other person would have it. So I bought two copies in order to guarantee that the person uh, I wanted to play against would would have it. That is dedication. <laughs> because I was a I was in my teenage years, I was uh on, on the swim team. Or like the park district where I lived, and uh, so that would be a lot of waiting around for your events to come up. So there would be a lot of yeah. Game Boy playing uh, during that. So had to have an extra copy of Doctor Mario so that I could challenge people. Addison, you are a collector. In fact, you recently did a weird, almost pilot, but also huge ass segment uh, <laughs> with Justin Berube about <laughs> collecting a bunch of shit. Yeah, uh, I assume you have a couple tales of this too. Yeah, I've got uh, several games that I've purchased multiple ways. Uh, Link to the Past, um, I've had the original SNES cart, the Player's Choice SNES cart, the Super Famicom oh. cart, um, <laughs> and on both Wii and Wii Virtual Consoles. So, mm. um, I own Zelda 2 a couple of ways. Um now why now why uh, if I if I can ask a question here with Link sure. to the Past you have the uh, American cart and the Japanese cart what what uh, at what point did you say oh I'm gonna also collect the Japanese versions of these as well It's just that game just because you just I'm love such the game a Zelda freak Yeah it was I saw it yep. at a, a convention I was at somebody was selling it for not too much so I was like hey. I, be fun to Plus play that box art is great, the, too, right? Yeah, <laughs> see what the differences are. But there's not a whole lot. Uh, the opening screen's kind of lame compared to the American one. It just kind of, like, pops up, and this is, like, Zelda, and it has uh, Triforce of the Gods in Japanese. I would say Warlords for the Atari in <laughs> several ways. Uh, Dracula's Curse I have on 
both virtual consoles, 3DS, Wii U, and cart. Uh, Symphony of Night, I have on a bunch of different uh, download services, and I have the physical disc. That is kind of... Well, I guess it's not crazy. I think the craziest thing about your story is that you bought one virtual console version and then bought another. Like, yeah. even Wii U and 3DS. Well, I do that all the time. Yeah, I, I, I'm aware. Alex, that that is what is being called a true Nintendo fan. Yeah, man, that's, come on. Nintendo style of cross-buy. Just fucking buy it twice. If just you, do it. If you count Pong is a title, I have that in incredibly different ways. I have an Odyssey 4000 in here. Got, like, a Sears Pong set. Mm. I have, like, an Atari 2600 Pong bunch of stuff with that um nice yeah oh right. the reason why i bought it on mm-hmm. both virtual consoles is so i could uh do video capture without having to get a 3ds capture card uh-huh that, that actually makes a lot of sense because you do mm. quite a bit of the streaming yeah that's right and we're doing a castlevania a month thing on the site so that was one of the games i wanted to talk about since it's my favorite of the ness trio sure um I, I guess we should move on to our next email, then. Uh, great answers. Uh, our next email comes from Hiawata. Imagine a new Wii U. It would have a faster processor and a f- more powerful specs in general than the original. Just like when comparing the 3DS to the new 3DS, the new Wii U would have faster navigation through its menu screens, Miiverse, eShop downloads, and internet in general. By the way, does the new 3DS achieve this solely through having a faster processor, or does it upgrade from wireless end to AC? That is a good question. I have no idea. Uh, The new Wii U would be completely compatible, but like the new 3DS, there are some things that would only be playable on the new Wii U, and then he's talking about the gamepad, better battery... Uh, and then maybe an exclusive game patched in, and then full two gamepad support. Which he he also makes the point that if anyone keeps the old Wii U and buys a new Wii U, they would end up with two gamepads in the process. But I, uh, considering he has this whole idea for a new gamepad, I, you know what, his his whole thing, he he basically has his own little uh, plan for the new Wii U. So to this, I ask you guys, would you be interested in a new Wii U considering we are not even two years into the Wii U and considering that it took the 3DS uh, four years by the time it ends up coming in North America next spring, surely? CJ, would you be interested in that? Mm, no. Not yet? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am actually interested in like a revised uh, gamepad. I mm. think like a gamepad pro that's... A little maybe a little smaller uh would would be kind of nice to have and i don't know I, for for systems that aren't portable things like load times uh you know especially since N- nintendo has cut that down quite a bit since the wii u launched that isn't like a huge concern to me and and better graphics and a better processor again is like well I think the games on the Wii U look pretty great now. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not uh I'm not complaining about that. So the purpose of a, maybe a faster processor, better graphics would be to get some multi-platform games on the Wii U. But the multi-platform games that have already appeared on the Wii U have not traditionally done too well. So I don't know that better graphics would help that case. So um yeah. 
So a bit of a half half yes, half no on that. This also seems like a really poor business decision on Nintendo's part. Because imagine if you released a new Wii U uh, two years after the system came out. Hmm. Not only would that segment the user base way too early before the Wii U has even proven its potential, not only would it uh, make a lot of consumers lose faith in the Wii hmm. U, considering they're already, uh, at least from some perspectives, new moving on to the next thing so early, but who would want this who doesn't already have a Wii U? Like, I, I don't right. know who this would be. No one is waiting for the Wii U... Okay, maybe a few people are waiting on the Wii U to become uh, PS4-level graphics and have a bunch of games with PS4-level graphics, but it still wouldn't have that many games with PS4 graphics because no. it's the new Wii U and it would end up supporting uh, a new port of Super Smash Bros. Brawl or uh, very select new games that have slightly increased power. I just I don't know who would want this who's not already a Nintendo fan. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. What um, do you think, Addison? I definitely don't would have a need for that at all. It's kind of like all the stuff that's come out on the Wii U. Like I've been perfectly fine with how it's performed. I mean, Hyrule Warriors looks great, plays great. A couple of slowdowns, but it's not anything I would get a new system over. I mean, Mario Three D World and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze all look amazing. So I think with the art direction of the first party games. It's the hardware is sufficient for me to be satisfied with the experience, and also, I mean, with getting third party support. I know you guys both have other systems, and I have an Xbox One, so third party stuff that would come up multiple platforms. I'm going to be playing on the Xbox One. Yeah, yeah. Um, I it's, I just think it's telling it. You know what? I'll tell you who you want it. This is a very thought-provoking email, and it is interesting to think of what would happen if the Wii U became another system so early into its life. But it is kind of telling when CJ, a super huge Nintendo fanboy, <laughs> and two people who write for a Nintendo enthusiast website, is just like, no fucking way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could go for uh, a new gamepad, though. I, mm -hmm. I remember there was, like, mm -hmm. a patent that showed up with, like, interchangeable controls. That would be nice because I don't like playing NES games on the gamepad at all because you have to mm -hmm. do, like, the SNES-style controls, and I like having the, like, the parallel buttons for those NES games. So to be able to, like, yeah. adapt it to some of the virtual console and, like, maybe even add, like, analog um, triggers, too. They could play some GameCube games. Stuff like that might be neat. Yeah, or maybe even uh, increase, I don't know if it's possible, increase the wireless range so you could yeah, uh, that'd be good. go further away with it, too. That'd be cool. Yeah, that is kind of crazy how, like, uh, you know what, I'll admit it, I've tried taking the Wii U and the Wii U gamepad into the bathroom <laughs> before, and it just does not, like, work yeah. from 20 <laughs> feet away. Come on, Nintendo, yep. I need access in all my bathrooms. And then even if I have my uh, Wii U in the living room and I want to play the gamepad in my bedroom, which is probably... 40 feet away, it still won't do anything. Like, it cuts out probably by 15 or 20 feet. And, like, I'm not saying that's crazy unacceptable. It's cool that this is a feature to begin with, but there is so much room for improvement. Yeah, totally. Yep. Battery then, life. Battery mm. life, too. The Wii U gamepad does need probably 
a twice as good battery. Yeah. Did you guys get the uh, expanded battery pack that I Nintendo was offering? They're sold out it? when I tried to get one. So I got okay. this like Nyko attachment thing that you can pull on and off. I mean, it works okay. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, I, I was able to order, like, as soon as that thing went up, I was ready to order it. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, the game the gamepad battery life kind of sucks. And uh, it's it's been really great with that with that new pack. I like nice. it. They could just put that in uh, to, like, a new Wii U SKU, and it would almost be like a brand new system. Yeah, make that stuff more available online, Nintendo. Like, CirclePad Pro and all yeah. that stuff is just... So difficult. I had to import my Circle Circle Pad Pro XL to get one. Yeah. Oh, I've always thought about the uh, the Circle Pad Pro, but I, I'm so glad I waited for the new 3DS's little half nub. Like I just couldn't deal with the fact of uh, playing a portable with potentially twice the width. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So moving on to our last email, a particularly huge one. From Dan reads, for your next user question section, when there's only two hosts or you've run out of much better things to talk about, correct there. (laughs) Thanks for all of the varied conversations and shows you guys take the time to make for us. You're welcome, Dan. And that is from Dan from St. Louis, Missouri. He has about 20 to 30 rapid fire questions. Uh, He says, no thinking aloud, but I did take a quick peek and there are a few of these that I do want to go into a tiny bit more detail on. But most of the time, yes, Dan, we will go rapid fire and we will try to think as little as possible about it. Uh, I think the way we should do this is CJ, Addison, me. Just because there's like, okay, so the first one's Mario or Luigi. So I would go to CJ who says... Mario. Addison, who says... Mario. And Alex, who says... Probably also Mario. Alright, so moving on to the next one. Melee or Brawl? Melee. Melee. Fucking Melee. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Iwata or Reggie? Uh, Iwata. Reggie. I gotta go with the Reggie. Like, even though it is so played out and so self-aware... I still smile every time he says my body is ready. <laughs> Although I wa- Iwata is like such a cute little businessman. It, yeah. He almost seems completely unaware of the situation, even though he's probably super smart in real life. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I love. I always wonder what he really thinks of Nintendo's position in the market. Like, I'd love to yeah. see just like a really candid interview with him. Like, what he had to have been thinking, like, right after the launch of the Wii U and, uh, and, you know, within the, these two years, like, <laughs> what is going through his head? It's crazy. And then, like, Nintendo, like, yes, sometimes we don't see them as entirely self-aware of their situation. I wonder how self-aware Iwata is of the situation. Like, I wonder if right now he knows exactly what Nintendo's problems are on a reasonable level and exactly what Nintendo's strengths are, and if he's just slowly playing to them in a way that's not reaching the mass audience. Like, I, I'm I just, sure he does, but he's not thinking yeah. like a Nintendo fanboy does. He's not necessarily thinking in that way. Right. Peach or Rosalina? Peach. Peach. Peach, Rosalina, I practically despise that yeah. is for another I think day. most people do. Except <laughs> for the people who are so in love with her that she has basically become Nintendo's official waifu. 
<laughs> That's just weird. <laughs> if you go on any message board, there are Rosalina fanboys. And it's probably Rosalina, and I'm pissing off so many people right now. But there are people who love the shit out of Rosalina, and it is so weird. <laughs> and, like, they even play off the fact in weird, fetishy ways about how she's a heavy character in Mario Kart. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> raccoon tail or cape? Uh, raccoon tail. Cape. Cape? Uh, I want to see what, uh, what's it called? New Super Mario Bros. would do with a cape. Just how they would bring that back. Because, like, hmm. or even Mario 3D Land, because I wonder how they would play with the cape's weird abilities of making you float, and then also run over platforms at 90 degree angles, basically. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'm 3D... old school Mario. It so. Just, yeah. Mario Just, just the favorite. older school, the better. Hmm. Well, like, the older school starting from 3, the better. Yeah. Uh, 3DS or 3DS XL? 3DS XL. 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 Animal Crossing or Harvest Moon? Animal Crossing. Harvest Moon. I also want to say Animal Crossing. And I'm not going to shit on your point or anything, but why Harvest Moon? Uh, Harvest Moon 64 was just one of those games that I have such good like nostalgia for. I played the crap out of that back in the day. I love that game. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to give that series the attention it deserves because I always see it uh, just compared to Animal Crossing, even though the games are supposedly much different. Like, I, I've always looked at that, uh, the 3DS Harvest Moon, A New Beginning, it's called, mm-hmm. and I'm so close to buying it, but I needed to hit that $20 sweet spot on the eShop. Like, right now, it's, like, consistently 30 or 40 and I just can't deal with it. Mm. Uh, have you tried Harvest Moon properly, CJ? I've never played a Harvest Moon game. I don't think. I, I, you know, like you, Alex, I've always been kind of interested in the series Mm -hmm. because it is sort of cute, cartoony. There seems to be like a little bit more to it than uh, Animal Crossing because you got the whole farming mechanic and you can can marry in that game. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, and have a family and stuff like that. It sounds more involved than Animal Crossing. But uh, I just haven't really found like an entry that uh, that that feels right for me to jump in. I'm always playing something else at the time when Harvest Moon comes out, where I'm like, ah, oh, I'll wait on that, and then I just never jump in. Yeah, it's it's such a one day kind of game. Uh, yeah, one day I'll play that. Navi or is it Fee or Fi? Uh, okay, think. Navi or Fee. Fee. Ugh. Midna, but I would have to go with Navi. I would probably go with Navi too. Not because it's a good character, but because I don't really remember Fee that well. Like, like, Fee was never even remotely the memorable part of Skyward Sword. Right. I think she popped up so often to tell you what you should be doing, and it's like, all right, come on. Be quiet. Knock it off. <laughs> yeah, I think. The but at least, thing... at least she was like a you know a a person, whereas Navi yeah. just was you know little fairy glowing light thing, telling you to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario Bros. Three or World. Three. World. Three. Uh, but you know what? 
it's kind of close because even though I think three is a better design game, world is like brighter and not necessarily more fun gameplay gameplay wise, but a lot more fun aesthetically and a lot more fun conceptually. I think like, like it does so much creative things with like the switches and the cape Mm -hmm. and just the color palette it uses is so much brighter than uh, previous Mario games have been that like, yeah, I probably remember what world looks like way better than I remember what Super Mario Bros. 3 looks like. But Mario 3 is almost a perfect game. Like, I, I guess in my opinion, I'm sure uh, yeah. some people until, would disagree. Until you get to the, some of those later levels where <laughs> they're, they're kind of diabolical with yeah. some of the difficulty there. <laughs> like, a lot... It, the later parts of Mario 3 are harder than most of the indie games coming out today that pride yeah. themselves on being hard. Yeah. yeah. Those last levels with all the, like, cannonballs just, just randomly appearing on the screen, killing you. I'm so <laughs> mad. Freaking hate now, that as part a, of the game. In my younger years, you know, I played a lot of Super Mario Bros. 3, and I had this, like, muscle memory uh, of playing that game. So when it came out on 3DS Virtual Console, it came out on the Wii Virtual Console, and I played it again, uh, I I just breezed through that stuff because I knew exactly what was coming. It was great. <laughs> guess I'm not dedicated enough. Metroids or Koopas? Metroids. Koopas. Koopas. Though, like, I... I think of the Koopalings when I think of Koopas, and I kind of like the Koopal... Well, I don't like the Koopalings being used seven times in Mario Kart, but I do kind of like the Koopalings as characters. But Metroids, when I think of Metroids, I I just think of the one, like the Metroid that pops <laughs> up at the end of Metroid. Uh, but you and know Super, what? Super Metroid? Or the original Metroid? I've only played through the original Metroid in Zero what? Mission. I have the Wii U, I have the uh the Wii U Super Nintendo game, but I I just couldn't get him to crawl. It's I, a- I couldn't I couldn't get Metroid to crawl. It's not worth playing. What? I'm the resident Metroid hater. So. Oh man, Super Metroid's great. That that is a fun game. Doctor Who or Doctor Dre? Doctor Dre. Yeah, Doctor Dre. Only one of them came out with the chronic. So, <laughs> in my opinion, Dr. Dre beats Doctor Who. Uh, let me see. I got so carried away with that beats joke that I actually thought about it for the last half hour. And I've completely like, lost track. I like all the questions so far have been video game related. And then <laughs> Dr. Dre. No, like, no Dr. Mario or Dr. Luigi. Uh, if yeah. it was Dr. Mario or Dr. Luigi, go ahead. It'd still be Dr. Mario. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. Dr. Mario, right, Addison? Yeah, Yeah, those L-shaped pills, man. I wouldn't want to take one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that would hurt to swallow. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, Bowser or Bowser Jr.? Bowser. Uh, Bowser Jr. I respect your decision, but I do choose Bowser. Uh, Jabba the Hutt or Jabu Jabu? Is Jabu Jabu the fish? Yeah. I think so. It's the third dungeon in Ocarina of Time. 
Okay. All right. Uh, Jabba the Hutt for me. I, I, you know what? Empire Strikes Back is my favorite of the three. I'm all about Jabu Jabu. Yeah, uh, me too. You don't find the um, boomerang inside of Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might, but you don't in those movies. Uh, True. Couch co-op or online? Couch co-op all the way. Yeah, if you can find it, couch co-op. I've never had a good memory playing online games that did involve me sitting alone in a dark room at one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Captain N, the Game Master, or the Super Mario Bros. Super Show? Oh, Captain N. Super Show. Super Show, because I have not seen Captain N. Haven't seen Captain N? That's but so, should it's I? It's so deliciously terrible. He's too busy hooked on the brothers for that junk. <laughs> <laughs> Captain N is a lot of fun. That's a fun show. Uh, discs or carts? Carts. Yeah, definitely carts. Discs rot and they take forever to load up. Carts, but I really prefer the DS cartridges best. Like, I, I like how uh, just fucking simple they are and how reliable they are. Like, the uh, you never have to blow on a DS cart, even if it is nostalgic. The DS cart is probably the ideal uh, game cartridge mechanism for me. Yeah, like the NES, it gives that satisfying little click when you put one in. Oh, nice. yeah. And especially how it bounces back up a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, if you're going to go physical media, you definitely... Cartridges just give you that nice, tangible feel. There's, uh, yeah. you know, a CD or a DVD or Blu-ray, you know, that's cold. It's unfeeling. Um, alright, so we actually do have a bunch of these, so we'll move through some of these faster. Cecil or Chrono? <laughs> what game is that? From? Cecil or Chrono? Final Fantasy oh, Chrono Trigger? Oh, it's Final Fantasy 4 versus oh. uh, Chrono Trigger. Uh, Chrono. Cecil. Chrono. Uh, Tanuki Suit or Cat Suit? Tanuki Suit. Cat. Tanuki. Ocarina or Majora? Uh, Ocarina. Uh, Majora, definitely my favorite game of all time. Ocarina, I really want to play Majora one day. <laughs> uh, Zapper or Super Scope? Zapper. 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 Dead or Alive or Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball? Beach Volleyball. <laughs> all the way. Tekken Ball. So, I've only played Dead or Alive <laughs> 5. Uh... And man, it, it it almost feels like Dead or Alive beach volleyball sometimes with those physics. <laughs> uh, digital downloads or physical media? Uh, I know you prefer physical media, CJ. But what do you think, Addison? No, 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 no I don't. <laughs> That's the poster child of the digital download future, if, right there. If it's not a if it's not a cartridge, then uh, I'm all digital. Um, it depends on the console for me. Um, with Wii U, I'm doing all physical. With the One and 3DS, I usually go digital, just out of convenience. Uh, I almost always choose physical, except on the Vita, in which it's such a pain in the ass to put cartridges oh, yeah. in that system. 
and it's just so much easier to buy games from the store, and also because Vita games go on sale, like $40 games, go on sale for like 6 bucks every week. Mm-hmm. So 90% of my collection by default is already Vita games, uh, digital. Street Fighter or Soul Calibur? Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Soul Calibur, and might I add Soul Calibur 4? Uh, I am probably one of the few people who actually liked Soul Calibur 4 more than 2, not only because of the Star Wars characters, but just something about the way that game felt, like the weight that game had compared to the second one, just felt so right to me. In the same way GTA 4 feels right to me, because of the weight that uh, is there when you handle your characters and your, ve- and your vehicles. I dropped 60 hours into Soul Calibur 4. Shantae or Mighty Switch Force? Shantae. Um, haven't played either of them, to be honest. Neither have I. <laughs> hmm. I uh, I have never liked a way forward game. What? DuckTales Remastered, man. <laughs> awesome quality. They, they make some great licensed games, actually. They do a really, really good job with that. In, in part because people have such low expectations for games based off of uh, licenses. But... Uh, but they they do good stuff, and they did that Contra game I think on DS, right? Oh yeah, Contra uh, Four. That was really pretty good. Yeah. Um, hard. It'll so, hard. yeah, yeah. They're uh, and even like the Shovel Knight guys are former Way Forward yeah, folks. Um, yeah, Way Forward. They do good stuff. Shantae is an interesting series. I I totally understand why it never got as much play. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't for everybody. Addison, this is your time to shine, but uh, obviously starting with Chris, Zelda or Bidna? Which one? Zelda or Bidna? Oh, Zelda, of course. Oh man, this is hard. (laughs) I'm going to say Zelda. I I was setting you up for you to talk about how much you love Bidna, but you know what? (laughs) She's my favorite, like, person who bugs Annoying character? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Zelda, obviously. Pikachu or Charizard? Pikachu. 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 Uh, iPhone or Android? iPhone. Android. <laughs> Android. Uh, NES Max or NES Advantage? Advantage. 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 Mega Man or Zero? Mega Man. Mega Man. Mega Man. Uh, James Bond or Joanna Dark? Who Who's Joanna Dark? Hmm. Uh... Perfect Dark? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to say Bond. 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 Coins or stars? Coins. Well, if we're talking Mario Party, stars. I'm thinking Mario platformers. I mean, it's cool that you're thinking Mario Party, but just thinking traditional <laughs> Mario platformers, I'm thinking coins because of the sound they make when you get exactly. them. Exactly. Exactly. You go into that room in a Mario game where it's just coins, and it's that's game on right there. <laughs> just jumping through like coins that are in the air in a Mario game is fantastic. And then cleaning up afterwards. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Professor Layton or Phoenix Wright? Layton. Right. Right, and in my opinion, it's not even close. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Uh, it's just like Phoenix Wright games are just so fucking funny. And just the idea of a lawyer game that is pulled off extremely well, it, it just it just clicks with me. It's true. 
Normal or inverted? Uh, normal. 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 Blue shells or literally anything else? <laughs> uh, if you're talking Mario Kart 8, blue shells are good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say blue shells are alright. I would say literally anything else. <laughs> because it includes everything else. <laughs> It could even include blue shells. No. Well, anything. Well, maybe blue shell. Anything but blue shells. Yeah. And lastly, and Addison, I already know your answer, and I already know my answer. <laughs> but CJ, I need to know: connectivity or radio-free Nintendo? Oh, obviously connectivity. Good answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say RFN. <laughs> I listen to both. I can't choose. Uh, no. Yeah, it's uh, both shows are good. They do different things. Connectivity does multiple segments. RFN yep. does a huge show with a consistent panel. You should listen to both. Yes, exactly. And that will do it for our show this week. First off, I want to thank CJ for being such a tremendous guest this week. Well, thank you very much for having me, Alex and uh, Addison. This has been fun. It has been super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh so tell us, CJ, where can we find you, where can we find the things you do, and where can we find your podcast? Well, I am at SuperPack on Twitter. That's S-U-P-E-R-P-A-C. Uh, Player One Podcast is the video game podcast that I host along with Greg Seward, Filthy Evald, and Mike Phillips. That's at PlayerOnePodcast.com. And uh, if you have an iPhone, why don't you buy or download some uh, Adult Swim games for it? That would uh, be a real help for me. Adult Swim games, like, they, you know what, you guys have totally turned into this crazy indie publisher in the last few years. Like, you think about Adult Swim games, and you're like, oh, they must put out Flash games for uh, C-Lab or some shit. We did for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, you guys are putting out, like, stuff like Jazz Punk, really cool games that you're not going to find from any other publisher. Right. Uh, Yeah, that new one, um... What's it called, TJ? Sorry. I'm trying to throw uh, you a plug um, and I'm failing. <laughs> Wait. Oh, for iPhone? Yes. We did, uh, our latest release is called Adventure Express. That's, that's it. Express I knew it was without AX. Um, yeah, that's yeah. really fun. If you like the uh, Match 3 and RPGs, uh, I think this is my favorite out of all those types I've played so far. I think the RPG element's a little more present in this one. So totally check that out. Cool. Well, thank you. No problem. And of course, Addison can be found on Twitter at R-W-E-B-B-A. That is R, his last name, and then the letter A. And I am at Kulafia, my last name, and the letter A. Thanks so much, guys. That'll be all. Bye. Yep.
welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Today I am with Mike Hello. Schwartz and blah, blah, Zach blah, Miller. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and if it's the three of us on a segment together, you know that that means it is the return of the music segment. Yeah, the untitled um, music segment. What? Yep. The we really ought to segment. come up with a name for this. Now uh, that it's a regular thing. Yeah. Well, you fair listeners, send in your submissions for what you think this segment should be called. And we will say thank you on the air steal, with your name, steal which is this I think, segment. which I think is the best <laughs> prize you can get. So, steal this segment. Is that like, like steal this book? What is that? Or steal this? Steal, steal this album? It's a, steal this? Steal this movie? Yeah. System of think, the Down, right? Was it a? I think it was a book. Yeah. Steal this book. I think was the first one to do that. Well, but this is a music segment. Yeah, I know. It's just, I yes. made an SOD yeah, reference. That was, that's that's what's important here. Uh, that was like what, like their B sides album or something, right? Are we going to talk about Juggalos next? Okay. What is a Juggalo? I think you know. I think there's. I think there's a fair difference between System of Down and like Insane. Clown oh yes, Posse. but they do all. I mean, they, I, they, I wasn't, they do also share one thing in common in that they're not that really great at all. Yeah. No, I don't think I don't think System of Down is great by any means. But, but Insane Clown Posse, now they're I, fantastic. I <laughs> yeah. Now, if we're talking about like the pinnacle of music, then uh, Insane Clown Posse. Um, but what we're really here to talk about is the pinnacle of video game water levels. <laughs> um, so if you remember, yeah, look at that segue. So if you remember from the, uh, the last episode, which I guess was three weeks ago that we did our, our last music segment, we asked you listener to send in your favorite music track, uh, from a water level. Um, and we got a lot of submissions. I think this is the first week where we're like, I actively like kind of cut some out. I didn't include everybody. So that's awesome. I mean, unless you didn't get picked, so sorry about that. But it's awesome that everyone's enjoying it and sending their songs. Um, and in fact, a lot of you said nice things that you're enjoying this segment and uh, everything like that. So we're happy to hear that. I know we're all enjoying it. So, um, you know, it's good you like it, too. And we're not just doing this new guys. like fast forwarding through it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if that's the case, we could just like not record yeah. this thing. And we could just like listen to music all night. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and start things off then with a pick from our own hey. Zachary Miller. Um, Zach, why don't you go ahead and introduce it? So this is it. from uh, one of my favorite Wii games. It's uh, Endless Ocean Blue World. And it's interesting. The soundtrack's interesting in that it's all done by a group called Celtic Women or Celtic Woman. Celtic Woman. Celtic Woman. And popular uh, on the NPR circuit. Yeah, exactly. And you'll be able to hear why. <laughs> it's uh, it's very. It's not like any music that I've ever heard in a video game. It sounds more like a movie soundtrack with you know, that Enya did or something. But uh, uh, this this particular track, have either of you guys seen the uh, the excellent but incredibly depressing movie um, uh, The Mission with Jeremy Irons and uh, the dude from uh, Meet the Parents? I have not. No. You should watch it with some tissues handy. But there is a uh, – uh, that this is – I think where this song comes from, it's a totally different arrangement, but uh, y'all should watch it. And then you should listen to this song and uh, then listen to this much happier version of it. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a listen Wait. to that now.
right, and we are back. Um, yeah, like Mike was saying as we were listening to that, but that is not at all like what I expected yeah. to hear when I when I yeah. clicked this link. Um, that was from the second yep, Emerald yep. Ocean game. Okay, yeah, I no, I messed around with the first one a little bit, but I didn't. It's play the really one serene. It's just, I don't, it's, I mean, it's almost opera. It's not. It's a Celtic music, obviously, but it's almost right. it reminds me of opera. Yeah. But what I find like is kind of pervasive through most of the songs that are going to be heard in this segment. Not all of them. Um, there's a few change-ups, but there's this quality, and I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's just the general nature of just sort of moving slower through water. But for the most part, these songs from water levels are all kind yeah, of slow true. and serene and very um, almost like I guess awe-inspiring. With They're all, most the of them are pretty it. ambient too. They yeah. really have this. Yeah, they, they try and get this ebb and flow kind of sound there's going an, in them. It's almost all of them have kind of an echo going. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a common language set yeah, between them all. Almost all of them, for sure. Yeah. So it's kind of fun starting with this one, which is like a fully arranged piece of music, and then now you know we'll move on to, um, you know, something more like 16-bit or 8-bit even. Um, and here that that still those themes kind yeah. of carry over. Um, so yeah, so let's go ahead and move on then. So th- this is something a-, a little bit more modern. We're not getting quite to the, uh, the chip tuny stuff yet. Um, but this is from Barry H and he submitted the crashed ship theme from Metroid prime. There you go. Um, you know, this, this is a good one. And we'll listen to it here in a second before we really talk to uh, talk about it. But I feel like the, um, when people talk about music from Metroid prime, it mostly focuses on the, um, what are they called? The, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which that that theme is awesome, um, but hearing this one made me like just kind of realize how great really the music is. Oh, yeah, I totally actually. forgot about this track. And this is this is my least yeah, favorite area really of that game. <laughs> oh, for me it's the for me it's the phase on mines. Oh remember. yeah, those are pretty brutal too. Like I, it took me like up until my third playthrough to finally like get past that and beat the game. I stopped there two different oh, playthroughs um, wow. and never finished the game. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I'm a monster. Uh, But anyway, let's listen to the Crash Ship theme from Metroid Prime. Thank you. 
so yeah, so there you go. Um, I think what I, I really like about that one is similar to the the Endless Ocean song. You've got this serene, like piano heavy track, but I love that uh, throughout they have sort of these like um, kind of like sci-fi yeah, like sound effects in the background. You know, keeps going by. Yeah, it's awesome. So it kind of blends this like um, like undisturbed. Uh, Oh, that's a good way to you know, put it. Very it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's got this otherworldly sound, and it's really, really isolating. Like it just makes me feel true alone. Like you, it just right. seems like no one would be around for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very like natural, and then, but then true to uh, you know Metroid in general, it has those sci-fi uh, like yeah. tinges. Yeah. The, like kind of tech- yeah, the only thing yeah. I would knock against this song is that this song is a is I mean, it's on a GameCube game, and it's it's really really repetitive it's just a lot of songs or not songs like there's more of a track so there's no words but it really just feels like a really brief sample that's just played over and over again with some slight modifications there's some other tracks that we're listening to that that do a little more with themselves yeah yeah and i feel like that's almost a result of it being you know i i don't really want to call metroid Prime like an open world game but the fact that it's not so much like a controlled like Okay, you're going to spend about three to five minutes beating yeah. this level. You know, yeah. I mean, you could really explore these environments for a long time, trying to uncover everything. So it's something that does repeat, but it's in yeah, the background. You don't really notice ambient, it repeating because yeah. you're doing other things. And it's, it's also not bad. The thing, yeah, the thing I like is that the music is slow. It's a, it's a slow tempo because the first time you go in that uh, in that underwater ship, you're you don't have a gravity your, your gravity suit. So you're moving very yeah. slowly. Yeah, it's like moving through molasses. It feels, and it makes it this, the music fits that perfectly. It really feels like you're exactly moving in slow motion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so good pick, Barry H. Good job. Um, so the next one comes from Justin W. And I think I for sure this is this one is I was going to pick, pick, and I don't too. like this is so one I've, you were going to pick. It. This is, I mean, this is like this is a straight up classic for oh, yeah. for sure. Um, so this is Aquatic Ambience from Donkey Kong this Country. This is probably my um, I guess, favorite water track in any game ever. Nice. Yeah, it's yeah, up there. I, it's got to be up there for me, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and listen to it real quick. Thank you. 
Um, so yeah, so that that is such a good song, and we were joking as we were listening, but uh, it's fitting to have ambience. In yeah, the it's game, yeah, um, because it is very yeah. This ambient. whole game was um, I, I mean, it came out in '94, and I was in like third grade, fourth grade, uh, and it was like my intro introduction to ambient music, pretty much. I think it's telling like how great this soundtrack was because it was one of the games that uh, ended up having like a soundtrack that you could get through Nintendo Power. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it wasn't DK Jam. Yes, that, I remember uh, that through the Power like the, Super Power Club catalog. Yep, yep. Yeah, you could get it for either like uh, you know renewing your subscription or you could pay some amount of money to get the soundtrack. Um, and I don't think they did that with too many Super no. Nintendo games. I'm trying to think. I know I think Killer Instinct had a uh, a soundtrack. <laughs> And a few other games, but it wasn't until like the N sixty four came around that like every no. main Nintendo game got a soundtrack. That yeah, you could it wasn't get something Nintendo you Power. got like back back in the eight bit sixteen bit. Like people weren't selling just video game music. It's pretty rare to see to see it come out, and it's a testament to how fucking good Donkey Kong Country's soundtrack is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could buy one, sure. you buy one disc, uh. and it's got this and Stickerbush Symphony on it, and like, what <laughs> else do you need? Yeah. Right, that is that is worth the probably what twenty five dollars they were charging yeah. for the yeah, CD at the I time. Mean, I how else would you? I guess you'd have to hook your Nintendo up to like your tape recorder and like dub it onto a tape. <laughs> like, who's gonna do all that? The uh, the the, the um, aquatic um, theme in Donkey Kong Country Two is a little more piratey, but it's I think it's oh, that's a good one. As good as this one in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about before we started recording, uh, the kind of it's not even really remixed because it's very true to this, but it, it's a little bit different, um, or I guess a little bit more like kind of modern sounding. Um, but the aquatic ambience from Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is very, very good as well. Um, yeah. yeah, so I recommend people check that out too. Um, so yeah, and like kind of like we were talking about related to Metroid Prime, which you know kind of loops a lot. I feel like this song. Uh, changes a lot as it goes along. Yeah. I mean, as we were talking about, as we were listening to it, like at about a minute and thirty seconds, it, it really kicks in. Yeah, get, like the introduction of more, more sounds and and kind of a you kind of get a, a more of a beat going to it. Um, which yeah, is pretty cool and I think reflects that. Yeah, they wanted something sort of uh, interesting that would you know last for the five or six minutes it takes you to beat the yeah. level or whatever. So, all right, well let's go ahead and move on to the next one then. Um, now we're down all the way to 8-bit. Um, this comes from Jeremy Holly, uh, and this is the Area 5 theme from Master hmm. Blaster. Um, I'll be honest, I hadn't Me heard this neither. one before. I've never actually played Master Blaster. Not good. Wow. We're, like, probably terrible people. I bet there's a lot of people who yeah, are really probably. mad at us. <laughs> isn't it? That's a pretty Blaster. beloved game, isn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. In fact, I think in his email he wrote when he sent it, he's like, I think he said something along the lines of like, well, this is a pretty obvious one, but and it's not like, well, no, all. not to us, because none of us have played the game. So good pick, Jeremy. Um, let's go ahead and listen then to the Area 5 theme from Master yeah. Blaster. Thank you. 
<laughs> All right, so yeah, now this is the first of the couple songs we'll hear today that sort of buck that uh, serene, uh, sort of ambient and reflective theme that all of these music tracks have had to this point. Um, it's actually really upbeat. Yeah. Um, and if, if I heard it without knowing it came from Water Level, I would never yeah. associate it yeah. with a Water Level. Um, but, you know, it is good, um, you know, for, for being an NES track. And it does kind of make me want to, like, sort of go back and, and play through this level now and see how the, the music sort of reflects what's going on in the level. Because um, it makes me feel like this level, even though it's underwater, must still be, like, rather, like, action-oriented. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's really much um, differentiation, but I don't know. It's, I played, I played the WiiWare yeah. remake, but I never got to an underwater level, so I couldn't tell you if, if they repeat. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, that game's hard, man. The control scheme's kind of screwed up. <laughs> Well, there you go. So, yeah, maybe that I'll add that to my list of games to check out at some point. Do they, is that on the Wii U Virtual Console? Don't yeah, it is. It is. Oh, it is? Oh, wow. The Wii U oh, one? Is? Oh, Wii U. Nice. Uh, I'm not positive. I, I think it's on the 3DS Virtual Console. Oh, really? I think so. Huh. But don't quote me on that. It's <laughs> oh, not well, a game I, can... I actively look for. <laughs> All right, fair enough. If nothing else, it's probably on the Wii Virtual for sure. Console, I would it bet. for sure. Yeah, because I mean, the Weaver Virtual Console got a lot of games. Um, all right, well, let's move on to our next song then. Uh, this one comes from Daniel Lewis, and again, this is another track that sort of uh, I think kind of breaks the mold. It comes from uh, Rystar. Rystar, right? I think it's Rystar. Rystar. I don't know though. I never owned I a Sega so Genesis. Well, even if you did, I mean, it's doubtful they said the title anywhere in the game. <laughs> so, uh, and the track is called "Break Silence." Um, let's go ahead and give it a listen.
really like this one. I think it's good too. I like that it, it does start off kind of slower and then suddenly just sort of kicks into this real kind of like I guess what it's kind of jazzy with the with the horn sounds kind of track. going on, and then it's yeah. I, I really like it. I like his, uh it kind of makes me want to like groove in my chair over here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too. Um, because it, it's upbeat, but it's not like overbearingly so. Like I think that Master Blaster theme was upbeat and like a bit too. I, I guess like a bit too much was going on. You know, like almost every NES. Yeah, uh, yeah. Track, this one really. is like it's. But this this one's. This no, no, song you is really like. Sorry, this track is really like brassy. Like it's kind of like it's got this like sassy brassy sound to it. That I really like. Yeah, and like it's upbeat, but yeah, it, it's still subdued in a way, yeah. kind of. Um, so it I reminds think it really me of works. like a cool dude walking yeah. down the street in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, this would be like his pimp theme kind as of. he walks down the street. I got you. Yeah, I feel a lot of it's got that. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just got that like trademark Sega Genesis sound to it from that one from that sound chip in that console. It's just it sounds really unique. It doesn't sound like any other any other console. I love it. I've got a new yeah. appreciation of it recently. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll hear a little bit more Sega Genesis uh, down the road here. But for now, we'll move on to Sebastian Severia's pick. Uh, this was another one I thought of including, um, so I'm glad someone else did it so I could pick another track. Um, this one comes from Rayman Origins, and it is The Loom's Dream. Um, this is a good one, and it's kind of interesting because it's like entirely vocal. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and give it a listen before we talk about it. to the level or anything it's actually almost kind of it's yeah it is kind of creepy yeah it's a little unsettling it's it's kind of uncanny because it sounds like they're saying words but they're they're not it's definitely gibberish and it's it's not just french almost (laughs) right the beginning almost sounds like it like it sounds like they're saying when i and then like the rest is like sort of indiscernible like um hawaiian gibberish yeah yeah Yeah. all the sounds are those hawaiian alphabet sounds yeah, but it's got it's, it's got very good that, uh, minor key in it that I really like. It's uh, mm-hmm. not totally upbeat. Yeah, yeah, a little, it's inter- a little it mysterious. Sounds, and I guess I've never played this game, but obviously it's a water level. But the title of the track is "The Lum's Dream," and it definitely has that kind of ethereal, dreamlike sound to it. I I kind of almost associate it more with that sound 
than yeah. I do with a water sound. But I've never played it's the game. It's a good game. It's a great game. Both yeah, the games are really great. great, I think. And in fact, Mike, um, and the music play the second game great. because it basically includes the entire first game. Oh, nice. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a point there. Um, yeah, but I think that one's really good. The whole the whole game has really great music. Um, but that that's really fitting. And I can't remember for some reason. I feel like there's levels where you're not entirely in water. So I feel like the music might be different when you're outside of the water. But it's when you jump in the water and go deep that 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 track yeah. starts. For some reason, I feel like the music was kind of dynamic. Like, it wasn't the same thing, like, the entire yeah, way throughout. Not. It would I'd kind of change. Yeah, I, I can't remember for sure, but I think that's the case. Because if you, I mean, if you notice that YouTube clip we just listened to, is only a minute and 20 seconds and long. the levels are much So that's longer. why I think, like, it's a... Exactly. So that's why I think it's a very specific, like, part or, like, section of a yeah. level. Um, not the entire soundtrack to one single, uh, one know. single level, so... Yeah, but that that is a good one. Um, I have a feeling in these music segments to come, we will feature more music from the Rayman uh, series, or I guess like relaunch, you know, the yeah. last two games because they are so good. Um, so speaking of music that sort of shifts dynamically as you're playing, uh, this track comes from well, Anonymous. That's his name on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not sure if his his actual name, but he follows me on Twitter. I follow him, uh, and he's just listed <laughs> as Anonymous. So there you go. He's not like the like hacker like spy <laughs> network, or is he? Um, or anything like that. Yeah, bum, bum, bum. Um, so his pick was the beach level slash underwater music from Super I'm Mario I'm so 3D glad World. somebody picked this. <laughs> yes, this is really good. Um, and as we'll hear here and hear here in a minute, um, this track has sort of this upbeat above water theme and then does a really like awesome job of really subduing that True. theme um, and incorporating it in this more like serene yeah, it ambient takes it underwater and it drags part. it underwater. Neat. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, it's like literally what's going yeah. down on screen and it does it with the music. It's so great. And it like will dynamically switch between them as you're emerging from the water and then going back under, um, which is really cool. So let's go ahead and give that track a listen. <laughs>
Um, you know that underwater section actually like is really reminiscent of a track we will hear um, a little bit later to close out the show. Oh. The first part um, of this track is so good. The clarinet <laughs> and is, the I horns know. and it's just absolutely beautiful. It feels I mean it doesn't help it doesn't hurt that they've added like seagull effects into the background, but it just feels I like know, you're right? at the beach just listening to it. Yeah, it's it's really great. I mean the whole soundtrack <laughs> to Mario 3D World is it fantastic. Is, yeah. I think this um, was my favorite level in this just, game. It's one of the ones I go back to play the most often, at the very least. It's really meaty, yeah. and it's it, it lets you do so much. You're running all over, you're getting these keys, you get the boomerang suit, and then you get to ride Plessy. Like, it just does everything. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know really how to describe this soundtrack. Like, I think of, like, Mario Galaxy, and I feel like for that, they went, like, I mean, they for sure went full out, like, orchestra and the music was really epic, but this feels like really pulled back. I like in a way. I like the soundtrack. Um, you know, there's not as many instruments. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It's like no, super no, go ahead. jazzy. The whole soundtrack yep. is really jazzy, yep. and I just love that about it. Right. So it feels more yeah like a small jazz ensemble than this huge Orchestra. production like Mario Galaxy. Yeah, yeah it's weird. Yeah. That it's always weird when I think of Mario's music and I think of how incredibly American the roots are for all of the music in the Mario games. True. It's like bluegrass it's true, yeah. and jazz. Like, how did this make it into a Japanese platforming game about a plumber? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I guess since the plumber is supposed to have what? Yeah, you know, I guess American so. Roots. It's so it's um, so weird. It's the last thing you'd expect because most video games are like this, like actiony rock and roll kind of music yeah. with like MIDI guitars and all that stuff. And Mario's always just been no. It's going to be like bluegrass and jazz. And you're gonna and like got, it. Yeah. And they've got the steel drums in this in this yeah. uh, song that pulls me right yep. back to Mario Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um and like for I don't know, like i am I'm I'm impressed with what they do with the music in these games. And you know, they'll they'll have little nods to, to, to the classic Mario. Well, yeah, there's music, some but clips I'm always and so impressed in here that are very reminiscent of Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Right. But I'm always so impressed that they go through this this effort to make these soundtracks for these games um, when they probably wouldn't necessarily have to. But I'm really happy. Yeah, they that put they as do. much love and care into the Mario soundtrack as they do the Zelda soundtrack, and they're they're aiming for totally different things with those two. But they they receive an equal amount of attention. I mean, honestly, yeah. I think that I agree. There are very few Zelda Zelda songs, individual Zelda pieces that I know, but there are a lot of Mario songs that I know. Yeah, they're very catchy. Yeah. They're they're almost all earworms. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so let's go ahead and move out then. Um, we've got two tracks left. Uh, a pick for me, and then a pick for Mike. Um, this one, you know, I picked just to kind of spice things up because I had a feeling a lot of the tracks were going to be sort of the slower and more serene tracks, like we we talked about in the beginning. Um, so I actually picked the. Uh, it's from Sonic Three. It's the Hydrocity Zone Act Two theme. 
Um, I think a, what I like about this one before we listen to it is I think it still echoes some of the uh, basics of what makes a good like water theme, but it's upbeat and true to sort of the gameplay yeah. of Sonic. You know, even even underwater, I mean, Sonic moves a little slower, but it's still very much about speed. Um, and I think this this song does a good job of sort of blending the two. And I don't think anyone can deny deny that like Sonic the, as a series has the best sort of panic music. Oh, it's so good. That like just like yeah, like for and yeah. it gets louder, and then the countdown happens on the screen, and it's just like pure panic. Um, it's so good. So yeah, let's go ahead and listen then to Hydrocity Zone Act Two. like it wouldn't be out of place in one of the newer post symphony castlevania games oh, i don't know really? what it is about it it's it's they, they've been getting a little a little jazzier a little more excitable with the uh with the newer castlevania games well that they don't make anymore but you know yeah <laughs> those new games they don't make anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I enjoy this one. I do like the sort of jazzy elements. And I think you kind of hit like the, I guess you could call it sort of a chorus or a bridge. Um, where you have sort of, I guess it's maybe supposed to sort of sound sort of like, uh, like a guitar, but it's very, um, like trebly and kind of like has some reverb to it. And that like reminds me of, um, or like feels to me like, like that's what they were kind of shooting for to sort of give you that feeling of being underwater. Um, it's like a little bit lighter. And a little bit more uh, ambient. Yeah. Um, and I think that reflects to the stage. Because if I remember correctly, the stage, you're like in water probably half the time. And then like outside of the water the other half. So it kind of alternates between the two. Um, yeah, I just think it's very fitting. So, yeah. And as we learned uh, before we started recording, um, for anyone who I guess doesn't know, um, you know, there's that huge like sort of rumor um, or speculation that Michael Jackson was involved in creating the soundtrack for Sonic <laughs> 3. 
Uh, and in fact, the clap, the, the clip that we listened to, uh, at the top, it says like in memory of Michael Jackson and then has his, uh, birth year and, and, and uh, death year, I guess yeah, is that what you year. would say. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, supposedly he was involved in creating the soundtrack, but then they pulled his name from it because, uh, it came out that he was like maybe messing around with little kids. <laughs> uh, so they, they pulled his name and sort of changed up the music a little bit. Um, but there you go. So. Shamoed. Yeah. <laughs> uh and so for our final track i think this one like almost like personifies uh this is the track we told you not this to one submit is last week because it was too obvious well, this one <laughs> yeah this one and then the water track from mario yeah one. we yeah, actually like, no one ended up obvious yeah, i don't think we need to do the Mar- mario one water track well it's it's classic i don't know if it's that amazing no. right it just mainly it's is, a lot it's of credit so for being like the first <laughs> yeah yeah, that's true. Not that it's bad. It is great. Um, but this, this one is great, and I think you can hear echoes of it in that underwater section of that Mario 3D mm-hmm. World uh, yeah. track oh, that we yeah, listen yeah, to. Yeah. Um, but, so this is the Dire Dire Docs theme from Super Mario 64. Um, let's go ahead and take a listen. With fuel perks from Harvey's, you'll never pay full price for gas again. Earn rewards on every purchase. For every $50 you spend, you'll earn fuel perk rewards when you use your rewards key. Start earning fuel perks today, only at Harvey's.
have like an extended loop of this on YouTube where it just plays for like twelve hours. <laughs> uh, when I when I Googled it, I found the very first choice was um thirty minutes, minutes of an wow. extended extended track. So that's close. Yeah, this one is really good. And Zach, like you were saying as we we're listening to it, it's so simple. You know, like it, for the most part, it sounds like it's like what like two or three quote unquote instruments. Yeah. You know, like different sounds. Um, yeah, and it just it works really well, and it kind of just brings together what we were talking about, like what makes a great music track. Just this sort of ambient, serene, uh, subdued, um, just slower paced kind of track, and, and it, it really. And then really halfway works. through, then you get that little staccato beat going. And the mm-hmm. overlying instrumental isn't all that different, but it totally changes the the uh, music. Uh, yeah, like yeah, the whole feel, the of, feel it. Yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah this I is a agree. track that I could just put on in the background, and it, it's incredibly soothing. Yeah. You know what instantly comes to mind every time I hear this track? Were those awful, awful, like, water bugs in yeah. Super Mario 64? Like with oh, the four yeah. legs, they almost kind of look, I mean, the not skimmers, spiders, the water skimmers, legs, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who would just sort of float? Cause it was so hard to kill them. Cause you couldn't really yeah, like jump pain, out of the water right? to kill them. I instantly think of those <laughs> every time I hear this track and like for being such a calm and like serene track, it just instantly fills me with rage. Like thinking about those stupid guys, just, yeah, sort of like skimming around the top of the water. there, causing you. Yeah. I, I died a lot on, um, not on dire, dire docks, but on the later, water level that's up higher in the castle where with has the lost city in it oh the one where the yeah. water level rises and falls and that uses the that same music doesn't blows. it yeah it does yeah yeah and, it does uh, yeah i die on that one all the time yeah yep <laughs> well the the water um, controls the underwater controls in mario 64 are not great at no all. yeah that's that's probably like i i think mario 64 still holds up pretty well but the underwater stuff is probably the the part that holds up the least yeah. At least, yeah. Well, I guess, um, yeah. That stuff is kind of rough. I um, mean, you know, it was one thing getting like movement in three D down, but then to have like where you can also completely move, move in up full and down 3D at space, will. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just it just didn't work that I, well. It didn't even really work like. that well, honestly, to me in Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah, I think it worked. You know, I, I hear people fine. complain sort of about swimming in, in Super Mario Galaxy. I didn't really have that much of a problem with it. Um, but I do, I, I will concede that it was difficult. My favorite thing about water but... levels in Super Mario 64 is that if you're ever low on health, all you have to do is go underwater and come back up to the surface and you'll refill all of it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Cause they awesome? just tied yeah. the oxygen to the health meter. They didn't yeah. do that in subsequent games, but that was the best. Even though I died a lot on that one level, um, it was, I guess just because I wasn't smart enough to get back in the water and, and refill my health. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So there you go. Yeah, there are our and uh, your favorite music tracks. Um, so yeah, I, do we have a do we have a theme for the next time Don't. we do one of these? Anyone come up? I with did a one. I picked Mega Man. Oh, and Zach God. picked or not Zach. Oh, uh, yeah. Scott picked. Said we should do best water. So I feel like Zach should come up with our next category. Yeah, best, what do you got, Zach? Uh, what do you want to do? Music from a fighting game. Oh, good choice. Ooh, okay, okay, I like it. Yeah. There you go. So best music from a fighting game, uh, any generation, any any console, yeah, you know. Yeah, we, yeah, send it in, uh, send it to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com or just send it to us, uh, you know, on Twitter. That'd be fine, I'm too. Sh- yeah, I had, a couple, I had a couple people tweet me tracks. Now, hold um, on. Here's one like important that, so. question, though. Do we include Smash Brothers? That's I don't think game? we should. Yes. Yes, no, we absolutely. shouldn't because most of those tracks are just remixes of 
Fine, if you pick a track from Smash Brothers, make it an original piece. Yeah, make it. No, no, here, 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 no, here's my feeling. Save Smash Brothers, cut it out, and we'll do Smash Brothers maybe the next time, leading up to, like, the release of the Wii U version, where we'll have, like, awesome, beautiful orchestrations of all these tracks. So it'll, like, be kind of building up towards that. That's a good idea. Um, we'll do we'll do like favorite Smash Brothers remixes um, and arrangements. So, but no, for now, no Smash Brothers in this one. Just do uh, you know, just do your uh, your favorite fighting. And if you track. email it in, if you want to put your Twitter handle on your email, we'll read it out. Some maybe you'll get a follower. I don't know. Yeah, you'll get that connectivity <laughs> yeah. bump. That connectivity. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Um, yeah, and I guess real quick then, if you want to follow us on Twitter um, and send us your favorite music or just you know talk to us. Uh, I'm OK Soda. The letters OK and the word Soda. Uh, Mike, what it what it what's uh, at yours? Striker Obi, Obi like Obi Wan Kenobi. At Striker Obi. There you go. And then uh, Zach, yours is what Z Miller. 1902. The year T Rex was found. Z Miller. No, I always forget that, and then Z-Miller you say it, and I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. Um, so we will see you in a few weeks then with uh, the best fighting game Hell tracks. Yeah. Adios, bye. bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget you can send your listener mail questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. We just answered a bunch, so we're going to need some more. And if you've got a moment, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Now stay tuned for a bonus segment about Dragon Rampa 2. special spoiler segment for Danganronpa 2 and 1, as it turns out. I'm your host, the ultimate bearer of despair, Donald Terriel, joined tonight by the ultimate watcher, Stephen Shook. Hello! I'm watching you! The ultimate cynic, Austin Parkin. At last we meet, Tyler. The circle is now complete. (laughs) And the ultimate father, Tyler Olu. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good title. The young high school father. I guess in, in this in this space. Well, you never know. I've heard some things about the new, about the new one, but anyway, let's let's get underway with this thing. So, I will I will preface this by saying that Tyler did review the game at his website, stickitinyourpocket.com, one of the fine fine handheld reviewing sites that I trust, and. Uh, Tyler wasn't too impressed. Austin seemed to agree with him, which, if you know, if you know us, is kind of shocking. And <laughs> as as of October first, Danganronpa two is my game of the year. Hey, you didn't talk about me, Steven. Well, Steven, that's because you didn't play it. I avoided it like the plague. Come on, now that's different. Okay, well, you're going to find the story as stupid as we did then, probably. <laughs> All right, so Tyler. 
basically what what was the the gist of it for you? Because you were you were satis you seemed to be satisfied with it, but not over the moon as with the first game. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like a Bayonetta podcast. Um, no, I I think the the, the the thing I can just nail it down to is, um, I think it's, well, the problem is as soon as you're critical of something, it sounds like you hate it, and I have my issues with Danganronpa I too. I know nothing but, about uh, that. <laughs> but I certainly don't hate it, and I just feel that um, its biggest problem is that it, its setting uh, leads to just an overall disappointment. Like, it just carries throughout the game wherein the first game was set in a school, and so, you know, there's just normally, like, well, what's going to be weird about a gym room, and what's going to be weird about a, like, a home home mech classroom, or, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, why is there this giant freezer, and, and there's just, it's kind of, it's a bit more mysterious, because it's in a school, and so that's what I liked about it, but with this island setting, this tropical getaway, um, it's just an excuse to be like, well, here's one weird thing, and here's one weird thing, and here's one, another weird thing, and there's no real... Then all of a sudden you stop caring about where you're going because you know it's going to be weird. And so I really, I felt like that really damaged the flow of the story. I like to note that the huge physics lab was not weird in the first one. Yeah, it's incidentally, um, we should reiterate that this is a spoiler segment, so that we're going to be talking pretty liberally about the story changes in, in this. So yeah, you it's all coming it. off, folks. <laughs> this is officially your last warning. If if you are intending to play this, just stop the podcast yeah. right now. I mean, I I had a similar problem that Tyler did in that this there was a mystery to the school exploring in the first game and just poking in see what what's hidden here. The just the way that it was laid out, even though there wasn't much to find, it felt like there was exploration that was worth having. In this one, though, the islands are so spread out that it takes forever to get anywhere unless you just kind of warp around. And that goes against leveling up your character, which hurts you in the trials. So it takes forever to get around the island, and when you get there, it feels like the places are specifically built for a specific type of murder there. And I felt that kind of took away from the murders as well. It's like the fun house. The funhouse, literally, there is really only one place in that entire funhouse you could get away with murdering someone, and in, and only one specific way, and that was indeed the way it was done. The because I mean the fun the funhouse is screwed up as it is, and I'm not just talking about the forums, but the but <laughs> but the whole I mean I. I, it was certainly a nice change aesthetically from having, you know, just a dark, dank school all the time where you're running around and getting motion sick. I thought, I thought the setting was nice just to give you a little, felt like a little more room to breathe. Yeah. Plus, the fun house has the worst puzzle in the entire game. Oh, come on. It wasn't that It was, it was bad, <laughs> but the, the solution to that light puzzle made no sense. Even knowing the solution, I went back and looked at it, and I couldn't see how they got to that conclusion. It, because it doesn't match the cipher you're given. Oh, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's really weird. I, I have to confess, I de I dealt with that the same way. I dealt with some of the trickier puzzles in Virtue's last report. Thanks, thanks, Game Facts. Yeah, I I had to go through it um, using YouTube videos, which turned out to be a bit of a mistake <laughs> because you're trying to skip around in YouTube videos, stuff did get spoiled. Yeah, that would be a definite problem. Now, because the, set, the setting didn't bug me very much, but I think the thing that I... The reason why it resonated with me is something that we actually talked about previously with regards to Madoka Magica, the anime. 
that I I really love it when s- stories go out of their way to subvert themselves and to and to swerve you with what they're doing. And I felt that this game had enough swerves to you know run it. You could run a Formula One race on it. Formula One E. Yeah, I go mean, electric here. Yeah, I can I can kind of see that. Kind of my problem with that synopsis though is that the game tips its hand way too early. From the very moment that you awaken on the island, when they start doing the those com- the kind of computer programming and glitching and stuff, you know that something's up. For the longest time, I thought your character was actually probably a cyborg, but then when they revealed that oh, it's all one big computer program, I just felt that they made it too obvious that something wasn't right there from the beginning that they could get away with that. But it's just a game. Yeah, and yeah, and that's and that whole sequence of dialogue kind of underlines a lot of the problems with this story in general. Just Teddy's or <laughs> just Monokuma's constant repetition of because it's a game to every single hard question that was given to him. Uh. Yeah, it's just and you know what, you know why this story isn't important because it's a game. I think in the opening in the opening. Um hours of the game it uh i think nagato was like of everything as much as different aspects disappointed me uh nagato was like a really great character i really liked it especially when you start when you started off and before there was like the twist where you're like okay this guy's messed up it felt as if like you're like oh i'm playing a character who's not the lead character this guy's the protagonist this is the guy that wants us all to work together and i'm the one who's kind of hesitant and freaking out and i thought that was like really really smart and then when the twist came it made it made things really weird and he's just a really great character and it's only until the end when you're like when you of course it's finally realized like just how interesting he was but then then he's gone and it's too late yeah it's kind of sad that he was such an interesting character because so many of the other ones i felt were were really shallow in one note like for ex- like for example biakia the only reason you care about biakia is because you think he's the guy from the first game there is there is absolutely nothing interesting about the one that's in this one, and you can say that about a lot of the other characters. You didn't, except for like uh, what, what's her name, the singer. I really liked her because I felt that she had this very cheery, dis, you know, uh, demeanor about her that really worked in a lot of the scenes that she had in Ikabi. Uh, but a lot of the other ones, like, yep, she is the gamer, solving everything through gamer logic. She is the medic. She is the photographer. She is the bitch. The the little girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, they could have killed her off. They could have swapped her and Mahiru, the photographer, their death scenes. I would have been way happier if they had done that because, yeah, she ne- she got no reasonable characterization aside from, oh, I'm a complete witch. Hyoko. And Mahiru, I think, was going to get somewhere, but then she got, well, she was the victim. Because of the, (laughs) killed by the backstory. Yeah. I kept waiting for the mechanic to turn evil, because they kept drawing him in this very Helsing Ultimate-style grin everywhere. And that was the one thing I thought really worked, is that, no, he just turned out to be really, really enthusiastic. <laughs> Gundam was someone who I was just I couldn't I was always like okay he's going to be next to go he's going to be next to go I really did not like that character there was nothing about him that I thought was interesting and it was like I guess a big part of it was that I really couldn't pin down what his 
deal was and the way he spoke. Like, I don't really, a lot of them are like built from stereotypes or just weird characteristics, but his, I'm not familiar with what it was supposed to be. I'm like, is this supposed to be like D and D or is it like a goth guy? And it was like super all over the place and I just couldn't pin it down. He's supposed to be a ninja guy. Really? Oh, it's so weird. I just, it just seemed. That's the scarf and his little ninja hamsters. Oh, okay. It was just so much like dark arts stuff that I was like, I don't know what I'm dealing with here. And I didn't. Yeah, you see enough Naruto, you can spot that guy. But yeah, Gundam's execution scene was actually brilliant because all this dark arts stuff that he's doing, and at the end of the at the end of the thing, he gets carried up to heaven by angels. I I don't know if that was just Monokuma being a you know what. I will say that is one thing I thought that the twist did work with is one of my big complaints about the first game is I thought that the executions were too ridiculous to be believable. And in this game, yeah, they were even more ridiculous, but it made sense because they were all fake. They, it was a video game. And that's why I thought it made that work. Was the first one a video game, maybe? No. So, <laughs> so what happened to the world? We'll find out in another episode. Seriously? They're going to cock-tease that? No, they've already they've already released it. Uh, Dongarampa, another episode. It's the third person shooter with the megaphone that they just released on the Vita in Japan. Yeah, but did that mm-hmm. actually tell what happened to the world in the first one? Yes, I mean, that's the only thing somewhat interesting about that one. Yeah, because they're running the they're running around the the ruins of the world. They're fighting Monokuma bears. <laughs> Because basically, the the end game is that they're trying to re- that the characters who survive from the first game are trying to rebuild the world after the most tragic awful event in the history of that, mankind. That's apparently not the Holocaust. They released, or the, um, or slavery. William Shatner got another CD. No, that's wrong. <laughs> are you sure? Then this wasn't the most tragic event in the whole world, then. Incidentally, was it just me, or was, um, what's-her-name, uh, Akane, pretty much just a stand-in for Aoi from the first game? Because she's she has almost the exact same build, she has a very similar ultimate profession, and she's just as stupid. Uh, which one's <laughs> Aoi? She's the, gym, she's the gymnast. Um, red, sweatpants, big boobs, in the little, uh, scene where they have, hey, we're all stuck here, we're gonna have kids. Yeah, it, it's her, but with but with long brown hair instead. Because Do it, they do it, another one of those. No, they don't. They said they show underage girls in the shower if you have a if you have a correct item in your inventory. They did that in the last one too. Yeah, that one of the underage girls didn't look like she was five. <laughs> with all the similarities um, to the first game, I really wish I would have picked up on the almost like Metal Gear Solid 2 vibe that it was giving me, and then I would have been able to piece things together like together much sooner. But I was just like, oh, it must just be some weird thing where they're having weird nods, especially when Nagito referenced the fact that these murders are happening in the same kind of theme, where there's like rulings of suicide or, or you know, like a, two people teamed up to kill someone, and it really should have really should have struck me, and Metal Gear Solid 2 would have been a big help to figure out what was going on. I don't understand... 
Was there a clone guy? No, just the whole, like, artificial thing, like, reenactment, because, like, with Metal Gear Solid 2, a lot of the enemies, like, have tie-ins to enemies from the first game, and it was all, like, a VR program for uh, Raiden to simulate, like, the events of Metal Gear Solid 1 to prepare him as, like, a, to prepare him as, like, a better soldier for the present, so it was, it was all, it was similar. Honestly. That kind of leads back to my complaint, though, that the game just lets slip too much too too soon about what's actually going on. I mean, just the fact that Nagito actually asks you, like, three-fourths of the way through the game, hey, did you ever read this novel about this guy who thought he was doing good all the time, but in the end it turned out he was the villain? And then, like, two hours later, that's exactly what they end up revealing about all your characters. No one, No one ever says, oh, I was just asking in these without there being a story reason for it. Yeah, I felt like the whole game was very back-ended, where all of the story came at the end, which it could be an argument of the first game, but I would say that the first game, it was uh, there was stuff that would string you along, and maybe in the end it wasn't that important, but the whole time you'd, there'd be little revelations and like little uh, clues towards what was going on, and then this game was just all mystery, and then at the very end it was like boom, 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 just constant... Uh, revelations, and so it was good. Like, and every, you know, you could piece it together, and it was interesting. But it wasn't enough. Like, I, that's why from chapters like one through four, I felt the game really dragged its feet, and then five and six were phenomenal. But it didn't. It couldn't make up for how I. Yeah, felt I remember really liking the third chapter where they had the dual murders because I thought that was very cleverly done. But but yeah, I thought the game didn't really hit itself until like chapter five or six, the, the last couple ones. And it's and incidentally, probably my favorite moment in that game is when is when all the characters from the first game start popping in 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 the big final trial with, with Junko or Jun, AI Junko. And my favorite moment is Biakuya jumps in and um, what what's her, what's her name Akane says. You know, he he comes in. Junko says something that annoys Biakuya. Biakuya goes, "Shut up, you!" And Akane says something really stupid too. He says, "You shut up too." And one for Jenny and the Whip. Although Byakuya's best line with that is when they reveal the the twist of oh by the way we're watching everything on the cameras and then Princess Sonya all prim and proper is like I I did things yes yes you did <laughs> yes I love that <laughs> yeah that that was glorious um... on that topic of like this weird insinuation i thought that i don't know if i'm just like a prude or something like that but it, it, even more than the first game there was like weird stuff like that was like just like overtly sexual and weird and especially with um the nurse character how she would how she would fall and that would be like these really weird and then like spread eagle popped up on the yeah, screen like when she fell really and then I, basically I, I was like oh this is gonna be something like her falling is gonna be something which like very loosely leads to the leads to the verdict in the first trial, but really it was like those images and stuff like that really didn't serve a purpose except for weird fan service, and it was kind of gross. Yeah, and as it turns out, she had the worst execution in the entire game. It felt like it was going <laughs> up to something that never actually happened. Yeah, a lot of what happened with Mikan though is, is again something that that gets paid off in the free time events because apparently her backstory is that she's been abused and ignored so much that she has to basically act like a complete slut to get attention. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, that was that was something that I thought was gross too. I think, I, and I spoiled it for, uh, I spoiled it on Twitter by accident. And I, so uh, I'm still sorry about that. But I think it was uh, like dealing with her and the uh, like how she had like a stepfather or boy or her mother's boyfriends would like get her to serve food without underwear, and it was like it was just like I don't know, it just felt too real in terms of. Um, I don't know. It's so weird. I feel you feel like such a jerk for a game that's about like high school students killing each other, but when someone's dealing with like incestuous behavior or being like turned out um as like a weird like mild prostitute, it was like really gross. And that was probably like the worst part about the game that I thought was really weird and off-putting. Yeah, I mean, let's get back to the issues of the characters. In the first game, a lot of the big surprise of the characters is you is you read into their their backstories with the private times, you learn that they're not quite the person you think they are. There's more to them. In this one, they're so shallow that their big thing is, oh, look at my tragic backstory instead, because they're just they're just not that interesting otherwise. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, for me, it sounds like a little bit the impact of some of these type this type of game and everything having a already tragic backstory to go over being tragic. It's tough. It sort of becomes like, oh well, yeah, this is that's just what happens to you. Mm. That's your life. So, like, I've been like ragging on the game for a while now, but like, I would like to know why don't like why this is like your game of the year so far. It, it's a very tight race, we'll say, but I think what they did, especially in chapters five and to a somewhat lesser extent, but still a pretty much an extent, chapter six is probably the best case work they've done in this entire series. Grant now granted that's a short I know it's a short trip, but especially chapter five with everything that they do to set up just how they have Nagito set up that murder and and they take the character who's basically been your brain for the whole game and set and and it fits that she ends up being the killer for that. Yeah but that was like that was really impressive. I really liked that yeah. the whole luck thing with him and uh, is it Chiaki? Yeah, is that Chiaki. Chiaki. Yeah. yeah, who was like my favorite. I made sure to get all her uh, befriend her first. I thought she was really interesting. Was I the only one though wondering why they couldn't just revive her after she, she was executed? Because she's she's an AI. She's a computer program. There's no reason they could have they couldn't have brought her back. I don't know. It made the ending much more. The touching. ending makes no sense. It is literally this heart of the cards bullshit. About how oh if we if we try very hard and believe in our friends we'll bring we'll bring them back from a coma even though they literally say they have a one percent chance of success if that. Now, granted, they do have the ultimate lucky student on their side. Although, I am pretty sure he if he's not already a heel in the third game, that's he's, probably he's in happen. another episode. So we don't apparently that takes in between one and two. So maybe that's him before he was captured, but. And I think there was something, I actually just read it today for whatever reason, and that he's just referred to as, like, uh, a butler or an assistant or something. He's not even referred to as Nagato, so it's unclear 100% if it's him or not. Um, but uh, it's interesting. Is he a galaxy policeman? He's got the hair for it. I mean, that's that's the ultimate lucky guy. Yeah, um, just be, we've been dancing around a little bit, Stephen, but just for your benefit, the big twist here is that all your characters are actually servants of Junko that were captured in the real world and then brought into this fake world to brainwash them into into being normal people again. Wait, and wait, then, wait, 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 did you say Junko? Yes. That's almost close to everything better at your Junas. I see. Well, 
yeah, so the big thing here is that this is a fake world mint that once they, in the original program, if they win, that their their new personas would be uploaded into their original bodies and they'd be normal again. Because they're all freaks of nature in the real world with like, oh, this bug, this bugged me. This makes no sense. I realize it made no sense in the first game either, but... anything left of Junko for people to surgically add to themselves. She, w she was launched in a rocket, burned, uh, spun around in, in, into little bits and pieces, uh, hit with baseballs a million times, and smashed with a giant frickin' anvil. What do you think? Well, I have no idea. Someone okay. also tried to have sex with her, so that's kind of weird uh, too. No, that's wrong. The, that's <laughs> I want to know who it was! That, that was probably Mekon, but it was also a localization, uh, how can I put this, a liberty they t that Nisa took with it, because apparently in the original Japanese, they, she actually took Junko's womb and surgically implanted it into herself, oh, okay. which she could probably get away with because being the ultimate nurse and everything. But I think that basically means that none of the executions in the first game actually happened Except to except maybe as a video, because remember they still have all those corpses in the freezer in the bio lab. Mm, uh. True enough. So, so, since for my benefit and everything, you guys are talking about the chapters as chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five. What? How would you refer to them if you couldn't use their chapter titles and you just had to do it by the description? So, like the chapter where spiky hair was everywhere. Uh, let's see: clubhouse, clubhouse murder, beach house murder. Um, ho ho hospital su suicide. Uh, see, chapter four that'd be the fun house. Chapter five is the is the military base um suicide that was dressed up to look like a murder, and the and then the last chapter is the virtual reality final trial against Junko. There you have it. <laughs> simple, simple, succinct, and to the point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, as to the point as this game can get. Have any of you read the Danganronpa If? I started reading it, but it bored me after like a, after a few minutes of going through it, and it goes on forever. It What, what that oh. is, for those of you who haven't gotten to it, is it's an alternate universe take on the first game. If uh, the main character had pushed, um, what's her name, uh, the um, Mokuro out of the way of the Spears of Gunyir, uh, when when she was originally executed, and he took the blow instead, and was miraculously saved, and so she became a good guy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I haven't read it myself. It's just hard to find, like, to read something off the Vita screen. But I uh, I intend to print out the Dangon Rampa Zero thing. I think it's like eighty pages at like a size eight font. So I'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> but uh, it seems it seems pretty interesting. Yeah, apparently apparently that actually explains the whole mind altering memory stuff that they do in both of the games. Mm, okay, okay. And there is a vague reference to a character in Zero in Dangon Rampa Two as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Although I did, and I did actually get through If in one sitting. Uh, it was a very slow night at work. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Although your time is better spent with that than it is spent with magical mir miracle monomy or whatever the hell they call that mini game, where you're oh. that is, that is canon. 
It is important to the plot of the second game, and it is completely awful. <laughs> so, uh, Donald, what what puts a, what puts two above one? Because they both came out this year. So, do you actually do you th- you consider two to be a better game than the first one? I yeah, I think like I said, the the pl- what they do with the plot, where they take what they did in the first game and then start completely twisting it in ways that I found to be really intriguing. It, it, it's a really close race. I mean, when I reviewed the game on the fo- on the NWR forums, it's like eighty nine and ninety were the scores. So it's it's very bare difference between the two of them. Yeah, there's there's some fun jokes at the expense of the, of the first game, like when they when Monokuma reveals in chapter one that they all had their memories erased. They said, "What you thought we'd hold that? That would be really stupid." <laughs> I think uh, I almost I almost forgot uh, that what really makes this a lesser game than the first one for me is that the mini games were either they either have terrible new ones or they quote unquote improved old ones but even even in naming it improved Hangman's Gambit and it's actually far worse like incredibly worse and they just became these like mild little things that were really easy to get through in the first game to super long-winded ways to spell out I a could word not that agree with you ridiculous. more on that especially Hangman since since not only did they make Hangman more annoying than it used to be but they took away the little like they didn't used to give you the full word blanked out they would give you like bits and pieces of the words so you could figure it out in this in this one I I failed that one about um naming the, I think it was the Iron Skewer in the first one, because I wasn't sure what they were calling it. I mean, do you call that, do you call that a kebab? Do you call that a spear? What, what do you call that? And, it, and then eventually, as I poke you through, oh, Iron Skewer. Oh, of course, I was supposed to figure that out on my own. Did they get, did they not, like, did they give you the four and six spaces for that? No. In, in, oh, the... Okay, because I, I I will admit I play I live on Easy Street. I got my mail there, so I was playing on playing it on Gentle, and they at least gave me four letters, space, six letters. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, play, yeah. I played me on too. Medium, I played on and Medium gives you nothing. Oh God, yeah. Because it's crazy. Like as just as Donald did, I played on Easy, like the Gentle as well. So a lot of the extra little added mechanics you miss out on. But I can't imagine sometimes things are already so frustrating. That I can't imagine extra wrinkles being added on top of it. Like it would just, I, it would lose my mind. I don't know how you did it, dude. Well, it, it took a lot of saving and reloading. But um, what? But one thing, one thing that I was, I think I've disagreed on the actual recording that we did. But I don't like what they did with the with the climax uh, recap there, because now that you're like searching out throughout the entire comic, trying to fit pieces in as they give them to you. I feel like you're not building that sequential order of events that it's meant to convey. Instead, you're doing a game. You're finding the thing, you're plugging into its hole instead of saying, okay, in this first one, I want the thing that represents this. Even though they now tell you what both the space is asking for and what the thing you have means, I just don't feel it's building a, a cohesive narrative experience. Yeah, it just made it a lot easier having only four or five options instead of like the whole thing. Uh, it was so weird. Such a weird decision. And I never liked that anyways. I don't like the conclusion because generally right before that you go you've gone through it already and so that and then they need to piece it together and then it goes step by step by step by step and you already know how it happened and I I've never felt it necessary at all. It was really weird. Yeah, and they also changed how the um, the little rhythm game that you that you play against uh, the person that you need to deliver the final blow to. I I'm not, I'm not, I don't know why they changed it from just depleting a health meter to like breaking shields now. 
but also that at the end, instead of just selecting the evidence and hitting them with it, you have to like figure out a term by piecing together pieces of a word, and you have oh, let's say about ten seconds to figure out what the order of the letters are, or else you have to start over. I just did not like that. Yeah, and in most cases, it's like stupidly easy. But I remember, and I'll admit, the first one on the meat bone, or like is it meat, meat on the bone? On the meat. Yeah. Yeah, meat on the bone, but I wrote it out. I had to write it out. Like, I wrote several variations. I just went through them because I had tried so many different ones. And I was like, what is this thing? And it was like, I, I still can't remember. I can't remember. What it was. It's like, yeah, like you're saying, it was on the bone, meat. I was like, is it on the bone, meat, meat on the bone? It was like, there was a lot of variations that all made sense. on the meat, or on the meat bone. But yeah. Yeah. Ugh, on the bone, meat. It was like so weird. But uh, that one, every other one was like stupid. It would be like such a fragmented sentence. Of course, you could know that you could see the order. But that one, it was all the, it was like four full words that I was like, well, I well, don't. Well, that first trial was awful in general. I mean, you, there there are yes. there are way too many suspects, and I feel like they're pulling the kind of twist that you would pull in like a, a third or fourth trial, where instead of like the first one, where you're trying to ease people into how the game works now. Yeah, all the glow in the dark paint stuff really got to me. That it was like, especially that it was like put underneath the floorboards, so the person would just be like, "Oh, I should stab up here." Oh, it's just so it was so complicated, which which I was surprised from for the first trial of the game, and even the rest of them, none of them I never felt any other one was as complicated. Well, as that well, well that sort of brings me to to a point. What did you guys feel like that this was a expansion pack more than a separate game? Uh, yeah, the events in it are not important enough to be a, a real sequel to the first game. And do you feel like, because I, what I'm hearing is that they sort of started at the difficulty level with the assumption you played the first game, that they didn't need to. You can't play, you really have no business playing this game if you haven't played the first one, because so many of the elements are tied into the first game, you need that back. Especially when you get to the final chapter and it all becomes about the events of the first game. Yeah, just just to give you an idea, Steven says you didn't play it, but one of Junko's big plans here is one of the reasons she was having you kill each other is because because these people aren't dead yet, it's just their avatars in the game. She wants to upload herself into all the people that were actually killed, and so then her AI persona becomes real people in the real world, and you're trying to stop that at that point. So it just feels like it's cleanup from the first game. I'm surprised that this whole like virtual reality stuff is used as a plot device because it just it always it's always something where at the end of it you're like oh so nothing mattered like it's, it's not like it's like inconsequential and in that it's just a joke but I mean you go through all this stuff and you're like oh it was all in a virtual world it was all a game that someone was watching so the nothing's really moved forward um, narratively it's kind of you could have just uh, I don't know I just I just it's always disappointing yeah Tyler did you ever play a game called Star Ocean 3 till the end of time this, no. that had <laughs> the same plot twist and it was even worse there you play through an 80 hour RPG and 60 hours in it reveals that the entire game is a virtual reality simulation and that none of it actually mattered there's another I think Virtue's Last Reward did something yeah, so I, I did. I did like this game. I, I liked it quite a bit, though it took me a while to warm up to it. But getting back to the mini games, the one mini game I liked that I'm kind of surprised that people didn't like so much was the um, the uh, logic dive. But then again, one of the first things I did in the game is I invested points into it because it was a new mini game, and I wanted to mitigate anything bad that would come of it. So I had pretty good turning and speed and everything to begin with. Mm -hmm. That didn't really come for me. It didn't come down to that. It just felt. It, I don't like. Uh, I, I just. I really like the story of the game, and to have 
these weird portions. It's like you know, obviously they they don't have the time or the or even the need to make it you know a good racing game or something. So it's very basic, and there's no real there's no. It's just another way to arrive at conclusions that the game has other ways to do the same thing just through conversation. So I thought it was a really weird decision because there's other moments in the game where you just make simple decisions based off of four options and you know there's a timer going but then this one is also a weird racing game that's not a very good racing game. Yeah, so, I, I compared it in our in our original recording that it was basically they they took a look at Square Enix's uh, mini game in Final Fantasy 7 with the snowboarding one and decided yes, we must do that. Even though that was an awful mini game in that <laughs> Although I do have to give them credit because I I enjoyed Logic Dive I like the the new climax better but with Logic Dive it came down to this was a chance for me to relax for a couple of minutes because because they for whatever reason maybe it's just me but I thought they had timed those perfectly it's like okay you can you just chill out watch out for the arrows at you know every forty five seconds or so but other than that you're gonna have a couple of minutes to process what you're seeing and what's What's going on in this? Yeah, case? the one I got kind of tired of was the Fruit Ninja mini game, where where you have to refuse. That them. by far is for me is the worst one. It, it was so annoying, especially because it's not entirely clear how the Fruit Ninja aspect of it works until you really until honestly until you play with a control stick, because that's when you see oh you're supposed to wait for sentences to come out so you can get more of them at one time instead of trying to get them as they come out, otherwise you run out of sword swipes. Yeah, I had to. I. I, I tried to I talked to uh, Alex Galafi from Nintendo World Report because he did a review for another site for the game so he beat it and I was like you just need to explain this to me I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing especially because it's like here's the explanation you're like okay I think I got it and then it's just like throws you into it and it's just like and it, it, it tries to promote the touch controls but those are especially in that game like terrible uh, so I was just like, just jamming, and then you just end up jamming on the buttons to do your sword swipes to kill those words, but then all of a sudden the game takes a turn, and whenever there's the words where you're supposed to present evidence, if you hit those with your sword, it's like, it, well, if you cut them, it's like instant fail, and so then all of a sudden you're not supposed to be mashing on the... Well, but at the same time, there are sometimes they'll present false ones to you that you have to let go, and they won't hurt you. Yeah, it, let's be honest, in general, the Rampa series is terrible at explaining their own minigames. That was a problem I had at the first one, too, when they first presented the rhythm minigame, because I felt like it goes on for like five minutes how to play it, and I had to play it to get an idea of what they were talking about. Unfortunately, the the guys who make these minigames are total trolls. They are. Because, because especially with when they changed up how the rhythm minigame worked. In this one, in the second game, it's like, really? You're doing this to me now? Yeah, and yeah, I feel like we we haven't done enough job enough talking about the good parts of the game. I did really appreciate the quality of life improvements to it, like the fact that money is so much easier to get in this game than it was in the first game, and it's so much easier to get items to use in the in the free time events than it was in the first game. So it didn't feel like I had a I often had a time where okay, I need to go spend some free time, but I want to waste it without getting a level up, but I have nowhere to buy items from, so I'm just kind of stuck. And making around your, uh, the, the, that they gave you the, the option to kind of walk around and they have extra little doodads and things to do. I just, I grew disinterested. I'm not much of like a trophy person, so I avoid, eventually I was like, okay, cool, my little Tamagotchi guy turned into something, uh, and okay, now what? And so yeah, I stopped bothering. I'm gonna be honest, I did everywhere. platinum this game. It's actually my 100th platinum. 
Um, I in the process of getting that though, it had me delve into a lot of stuff I wouldn't ordinarily play, like like the the school time stuff, you know, with island mode and with the terrible um Monami mini game and stuff like that. And I feel like if I just stopped playing at the parts where Donald played, I probably would think of the game much higher than I did. But because I played all this extra stuff that you're meant to play, I, I it fell out of my top five pretty quickly. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't partake in any of that extra stuff. I just played the game, and then that was it. I feel like, especially with the after, it was just the same with the first game with like the after school kind of stuff, where where you can talk to the people that may have passed away or you just didn't get to. Basically, like in both games, I talked to the people that I liked, and conveniently enough, it was always people that survived long enough that I got to see all their stuff, and so I didn't care about talking to anyone else. Like I just did not want to. I was like, okay, cool, whatever, and I never. I, you're really lucky with that because every person I talked to died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that would really suck. And I, if I did talk to them, it would be right before, like the um, the the what is it, the team leader guy, the guy that became a robot. Oh, uh, I Nakamaro. Yeah, I, I became friends with him as the robot in that chapter. That was the first time I ever spent talking to him. So I lucked out there. Basically, because at that point, it was the only other character that I cared about. It's just in the first one, I just oh, I go, I went for the gamer, and then I think it went for um, what's her name? Uh, bleh, shit, she's like a samurai. She, she just because she made me think of the girl from the first game. Um, Peko, yeah. Um, I went with, her, and then I talked to her. So I don't know. I just go with whoever I think is coolest, and then I guess I just always luck out. Yeah, it's it's actually funny you should mention um, Nekamaro because the moment that he reveals that clock component to him, I just said you're gonna die. That's obviously going to be important, or they wouldn't be showing us that you have a clock. Oh, that was yeah, that was too bad that they showed that, especially when he was like, and it can't be changed. Like no one can. You change might as well have folded that and put it in giant purple Nintendo lettering. Yeah, it was disappointing, especially for how uh, the other ones. I uh, I don't know about you guys. Maybe you guys are can read into things better than I can. But I was never like, oh, this is the next person to die for sure. That was the only time where you're like, oh, this is too weird a detail. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of weird moments, how about the chapter two trial where the whole thing revolved around Monokuma having a video game where you play out a crappy Sega CD um, survival horror game that was meant to reveal something that happened in real life. That's kind of esoteric. I really like that. Uh, I think at the time that you um, you were doing chapter one, and you're like, "Oh, this 2D stuff!" Like they really doubled down on it, and that's when I I wasn't saying that chapter two was like super better, but I was saying that at least there's something coming that's very different, and it, uh, and that was like a Saturn. Yeah, it's like, they, they doubled down on the eight bit stuff in this game. Yeah, but that 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 try I like that I like that game aspect of it, especially like it did. Uh, it was the first time in the series where I felt like it was very creepy in the sense like when it was like you die and then uh, it told you like it was like what was it uh, was it dead five or five dead or down five? It was something down weird. five, and that was a code that you was had really to actually smart. like press that. it down five times and then hit a. Ugh, that was really cool. That uh, isn't smart. that game based off a Suda Fifty One game or something? I seem uh, to recall not- reading that somewhere. Like I mean, in terms of the aesthetics, it would look like um, Flower, Sun, and Rain. Uh, like just the really blocky, uh, undetailed character models and stuff. But not that. Like, well, there, there, there are other games I haven't played, but they're they're very different. Like Silvercase Files are just it's just like a lot of still images and like FMV and stuff. You didn't really control. I don't believe you control the character walking around and stuff. The so we're running short. We're running close to the end of our time here, but. 
really was did they do right by the old characters from the first game that they brought back for it brought back in the final chapter i thought so although it was weird not to see um the the two other characters that we just saw the three main we didn't see Owie or um or genocide jack for like a better term but genocide jack is in another episode yeah so who knows what happens there yeah. mm-hmm. And, and um, well, Hakagure was pretty much useless, so of course they could leave him out too. <laughs> I liked it. I didn't think I, it was cool to see that that like their mission continued and that they that their story did wrap into this game, and that you can see that um, not necessarily where you can see where the story's going, but that there is something going on that they there's like this resistance group and stuff like that. So it was all right. It was pretty cool. I I enjoyed seeing them. Uh, it was a, it was it was and it was an interesting plot mechanic of having them have these people that they're trying to convert back to being um, uh, normal people even though that the, it was it was interesting because whatever group, I can't remember the name, but the group that they were working for was opposed to them to, to them uh, trying the to convert these people back to normal. Or something like that. Yeah, future I thought that future was foundation. Yeah. So it seems like they're going rogue from even this group that is trying to make things better so it's interesting to see if they're still going to be part of that group or what happens in the future. So do we think so we another episode's out. Hopefully, NAS America is pleased enough that they can bring that over. Although there's some things are probably going to have to change if some of the things I've heard are accurate. But do we think they go to a Danganronpa three, and do we see it? They can't do this story again. They can't do another courtroom based Danganronpa. This this movie or this game kind of made it clear that they were running out of ideas to make that interesting. I think I, I think that they they can do a Danganronpa three as long as people don't prescribe to the notion that Danganronpa is this. This is Danganronpa is a trial based game um, because it would be silly to have another event where um, you have to worry about you know these murders happening and stuff like that. I think it, it just the series has to move forward in a different way, like not like Ace Attorney where it's trial, 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 and it's something that works because of the, the you know like the nature of the game. Um, so hopefully people will be willing to see that, to be, to be able to see a visual novel that didn't have these court cases and stuff and maybe have some other mechanics. They can't bring Jinko back, even though her being an AI means they could, they, they need another villain if they're going to do this, but they would have to lose Monokuma. Well, you could, al- you could always adopt Monokuma cause he's just the symbol of the despair and, and can I say for the record, I am sick of hearing about despair at this point between this and another game that I've played recently and another anime that I've watched. <laughs> it's becoming pretty popular. But I'd like to see the series move forward, and they're—I don't even know. I think it, it sounded to me like they—they they, like Spike Chunsoft has said that. Oh, you know, if they can think of something, they'll move forward with it. So it's like this weird tease where you're like, "Well, wait, are you, you even started already?" And those were PS. These are PSP games, and the Vita game. I don't know what they're what necessarily if it's the same team or something, but I mean, it, it seems like a game of a very different nature. So, um, where what have, what's been going on? Like, well, I'll, I'll just say this: I'm reading through the Wikipedia entry for the characters in another episode, and I'm seeing stuff about the Warriors of Hope and a demons hunting game, so they might be doing something there, but I do, I do, one thing I do appreciate about the Danganronpa games is I kind of feel like you can finish both of them and feel like there's, there's no more that you need to tell with this story. Because even though the story of Danganronpa 2 is ultimately pointless, it does show that the characters of the first game got, got along alright. 
So I've, I don't feel like you need to go into what happened in the real world. But, you know, maybe another episode will show that we need another game. So we'll see. Yeah. And Steven, I'm guessing we can't get you into this game at this point. We've said too much. Look, I had those same issues the first time and stuff. and wasted so much time for so little game and everything. And this one sounds worse that way. I'll just read it and watch videos and stuff. Sort of like the same way I am with Metal Gear Solid, since we've already mentioned that. Yeah, Tyler, just so you know, he didn't know that you could save at any point in the first game. So he only saved at save points. Oh my god. Aren't this, and the save points are what? At the beginning of a trial? Like, the beginning and end of a trial. To the beginning of the trial? That's crazy. That would be a very long lot. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I kind of feel like I wish the game actually had taken um, you up on that first question to ask you. When the, when the first trial breaks at the halfway point, Monica actually asks, asks you if you'd like to risk your save on, ge- on guessing who the real killer is in that episode. And if you're wrong, he'll delete your save. I kind of wish they had actually done that. <laughs> I think I was too nervous and opted not to take the I, chance. I went for it, and he said, no, we're not going to do that. I know, I was like, how serious? I don't know, it was weird. Because I didn't think it was it that far in the game. I was like, maybe they're, oh god, I don't know, maybe they'll unlock some sort of fast-forwarding thing or something. But I didn't want to chance it. Yeah, mind you, I played through Nier, a game where the last ending requires you to delete your save file in order to win. All of your save files. So, so that's Dong and Rampa 2. It's available now. Definitely check to make sure you play the first one. Hopefully, you grabbed it when it was on sale a few weeks ago, and maybe it'll get on PS Plus at some point. But Tyler, thanks very much for coming out tonight. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, uh, they can find me <laughs> stickitinyourpocket.com. It's like a handheld gaming website. And then on Twitter is at Tyler Olu, O-H-L-E-W. It's always good to hear you on an end of, It's always good to hear you on an NWR podcast. Uh, if you'd like to hear hear us hear Austin, Stephen, and myself talking about games that aren't court-based visual novels, we are at we are the Nintendo Free Radio podcast. We're at bit.ly slash nfradiopodcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at NFR Podcast. I'm at Donald Mick. I'm at Sarek B. I'm at Brewboar64. And till we meet again. <laughs>